Our world is dying, politicians are lying And just when you feel like crying Sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves Hi, I'm Evie. I'm Claudia and we are the hosts of The Poodcast and we are back for season two. And for those of you who don't know, The Poodcast is a podcast on a mission to learn about those living with bowel and bladder conditions whilst sharing a shitty story or two along the way. And this week our focus will be on pelvic physiotherapy. Eves, let's kick it off. How is your bum and how is your tum? I'm also really enjoying your egg jumper oh thank you it's a friend it egg egg. <laughs> jumper. yeah it's, thank it's you lovely. it's uh, there's a bit of a story behind the jumper maybe go. i'll go into it now because you've prompted me i uh, think uh, i've i've i think i was targeted on instagram and it's worked because i bought the jumper but there was a girl that you i can't i think maybe but i do like the jumper so i am quite pleased with the result but there was a girl that i barely know on instagram and my jumper arrived really, really pleased. Then I saw on her story that afternoon a picture of her, like, my new jumper. And it's this jumper. But it's, like, from a really weird, like, small seller. So I think we've obviously been targeted by the same Instagram adverts. And like when your phone's listening to you. I yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think I nearly messaged her saying, oh, I like me too. But then I was like, oh, God, I don't really know her very well. So it's going to be really awkward. But then I viewed because I'd viewed her story, I'm really worried that if now she sees my jumper, she's going to think I copied her. But actually, I got it first. Um, it's not the best story, but um, I've been thinking about it quite a lot. If she ever finds out about this jumper, she's going to be like, oh, she copied me. But I just want to put it out there now. Rosie, I didn't. Rosie. Rosie, I got it first. There can be um, two eggy girls in, in London. That's fine. Exactly. So, um, yes, yeah, so that's the story of the jumper. And then fun. <laughs> Pum and dumb wise, a kind of a kind of good. I was going to talk a little bit about lack of sleep and on, the then. effect that that has on stomachs, but I then think that that makes my sleep worse when I talk about it. Um, do you think you like get more anxious the more yeah. you talk about it? Oh shit! So I'm not going to do that. So right. what I might talk about is the Dover sole that I had. <laughs> um, I had strapping kids. She's tackling <laughs> the Dover sole. I had a whole Dover sole that my boyfriend went to the fishmongers to buy and. You know, preface, he's not like a natural chef, I would say. He went... He didn't come out the womb with a skillet, but he's he's learning. I once asked him for cheese and grapes, and he brought me a bowl of grated cheese with raisins in, just to give you... Evie does sometimes send us pictures of the meals that her boyfriend has made with a kind of tagline of what she actually asked for. Yeah. And and then and then we're presented with what she was the given. Evidence. And it's not usually a match on match situation. No, not at all. And you know, I don't really sit, think I sit there like little Lord Fauntleroy demanding food be brought to me. But <laughs> you know, what is brought to me tends to be pretty poor. Um but I said I wanted a Dover sole. So he went off to the fishmongers and he got two Dover whole ones. So they've got four fillets per sole. And I just yeah. he absolutely nailed it he cooked it in butter garlic lemon in the pan he like go on babe cut the head off and the frills and everything just so we just left with like the main bit and i just sat down and it took me about 35 minutes but i ate every last drop and it was just absolutely incredible i love fish and i'm really on fish at the moment it's making my tum feel really good i think it's making my skin feel like nice and and healthy and it's giving me good and cognitive function so i'm gonna stick with the fish soul is good for the soul i'm liking this i'm really sorry that i just said that that sounded much cooler in my head Um, like a really good no no. i'm pleased no i think that's right i just yeah it's felt so basically 
something I'm finding that's positive for the old tum and bum, oily fish and white fish is really, really good and I'm really enjoying it. So um, if you out there have a partner and they can't cook, there will be hope for you because if I could get my boyfriend to do that, you can get them to do anything, I think. Um, Claudia, how are your bum and tum? I'm quite jealous of you, um, to be honest. I also just had fish for lunch, but mine... Well, it's not with me anymore. It's gone. It's gone far, far away. Um, I don't know what it is this week. My my stomach is not good. And I, but it's. I don't know about anybody else, but I feel because I'm on half term at the minute. Are people's bums and tums worse when they're in the comfort of their own home because they are allowed to be? Mm-hmm. I have been on the toilet all week. My cystitis has been really bad, and I. I don't know. I so I know we've said this before sometimes on the podcast that that we go through like phases where like my IBS isn't flaring up or you're having really good time and foods aren't disagreeing with you and I think oh god oh, you know are we the right people to be doing this podcast and then I have weeks like this where I think I'm the poster girl for IBS and I don't understand what's happening because I haven't done anything different other than actually just try and relax with this week off work. So I. I don't know what's going on, if I truth be told. So oh. my my soul's not so so good as yours. I'm so sorry. That's not That's really good to hear. I do wonder if because of if we're at home and we're able to eat all the time. I think also it just doesn't help. My boyfriend is working from home downstairs, and he's on all these conference calls, and I'm so worried that they can hear me. What the but, the poo landing? Or yes, like I'm not saying that it's like catatonic and that they're like that that is something that they can hear but you just panic yeah, don't like you like a little that they fecal can... jackson pollock yeah you... <laughs> sorry fuck me like just but I, i've just been stressing so i've been putting music on but then that's very I... considerate i like that. yes but then he's in a meeting and then all you can hear in the background is like because i like call me out when i'm feeling stressed it's what gets me through and he did say he can hear that so i I have been told to stop doing that so that's the soundtrack to your poo is it is that not a bit distracting i think it's more the soundtrack to my life if i'm honest evie any sort of stressful situation i play a bit of paul simon i mean i think it's a fair a fair way to go i would just say if you are are you are they to cover the sounds of the poo because sometimes you know I've got, you know, we both have the app Rain Rain, and they have some more natural sounds. So it might be a little bit less like (laughs) Claudia's having a shit. It might just be a bit like, oh, I can hear the pitter patter of rain on a tin roof. Or I see what you're getting at. You see what? Because then if somebody does overhear in the meeting, then they won't be like, oh, there's music. They might just be like, there's some water. It's downpour. Also, I mean, I know that we spoke about this in our last episode, but my bladder has been rubbish. And so I'm trying to do what was advised and sit on the toilet for longer and see if I can get more out. So actually, Rain Rain app, that might be good. Maybe the the trickling sound will urge me to let go. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about um, your cystitis, but coming up, we maybe do have somebody that might give you some invaluable insights. I'm really excited to speak to our guest today. I feel like I have a lot of questions. I feel like it might get a little bit like, you know, when fangirls meet Kim Kardashian and they just want all their beauty secrets. Yeah, the KK of the pelvic world. That's how I feel right now. So, you know, apologies in advance for anyone listening. It might get um, raucous. Permission to discuss condition. 
This week, our guest is the hilarious Elaine Miller. Elaine is a pelvic physiotherapist, and she's also the writer of an award-winning show, Gusset Grippers, a factual and funny show about what a pelvic floor is. The show also features a prolapse chicken, a clitoris puppet, and a five-foot-four singing vulva. Elaine's quote, Making people laugh about something embarrassing means they will talk about it, and talking is kryptonite to taboos assures us that she is one of our own. Welcome, Elaine. How are your bum and tum? Well, they're getting bigger. I think that's the, the main comment on, on um, lockdown is having a big impact on my bum and my tum. But I am lucky enough not to be um, have a life dominated by anything that comes out of my bum or anything that's, that's going on in my belly. So I am very lucky with that regard. They're just too big. <laughs> I, I like that phrasing of dominating that that is yeah. that is how I feel that's um that's what I'm gonna put on my business card <laughs> dominated by my bum I, I mean like you it. did you did say you felt a bit like Kim Kardashian being a fangirl and you know if Elaine your bum is getting bigger then that's appropriate <laughs> for Kim Kardashian title I'm in vogue <laughs> at last yay <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, Elaine, we've got so many things that we want to talk to you about. Uh, but firstly, um, what so what came first for you? Was it physiotherapy? Was it stand-up? And how did the show come about, Gusset Grippers? <laughs> yeah, um, it's a bit of a strange skill mix, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been a physio for a long time, um, it would seem, seeing as how I now have a child who's about to go off to university. It couldn't have been yesterday wow. that I was there which seems a bit unfair actually um and my background's in um like sports stuff and backs and necks and that kind of thing and then I had three babies in four years and suddenly after that continents became really interesting um but when the kids were little I had a hobby of doing stand-up because it was something that I could do to get out the house and and it's fun you know like it's really good fun um but a patient had told me about a story where she had wet herself on the doorstep which is a horrible thing to happen to anybody but she was um from Glasgow so she was very funny and <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's something about Glaswegians they just are hilarious so she was okay, telling right. me this awful tale of woe this horrible situation that she was in but it was genuinely the funniest thing that I've ever heard <laughs> so I said to her can I use that in a set for doing stand-up so I wrote a five-minute set based on her tale and um, did it at the comedy club and afterwards four women said to me well me as well and that blew my mind because these women didn't know it was my job and they had never spoke to their GP, but they would talk to a stranger in a bar and just kind of go solidarity sister. Um, and one of the big challenges with these issues is getting women to come to clinic, getting them to seek help, getting them to speak to their GP. And there's quite a lot of good data that shows that only about a quarter of women who wet themselves ever tell the GP about it. So wow. I thought, I wonder if we used humour to get over the embarrassment and the shame and the stigma, whether, because if you, like comedians, if you look at what they talk about on stage, quite a lot of it is not socially acceptable. <laughs> quite a lot of the stuff that we talk about, you would not get away with at the school gate, but as long as they can make it funny, you can say what you like. If, if you'd fail to make it funny, then it's a complete disaster. But if it's funny, you can get away with any topic. So, so I wrote the comedy show and it would appear to 
be effective. I need to do some work on it um, to, to prove that it pushes women into help seeking. But it would appear that what happens is women are coming along and they're getting evidence-based information in a informal setting with their friends. And then their friends are nudging each other to, you need to go and get that sorted. You need to go and speak to the GP. And they seem to be setting up little informal support networks where they then nudge each other to do the pelvic floor exercises but it, i don't have any data to prove that so i think that's the next step um because if we could show that humor is an effective health promotion tool then you can get funding to run a natural campaign it's so true though isn't it i think when you're told that you're allowed to laugh at something you you then just relax don't you yeah. even if you then don't necessarily feel that everybody around you is in the same situation just knowing that what is going what is going on for you is something that is not completely drowned in embarrassment is is a huge thing and I think for so many women that that's that's massive yeah there was an interest and I got a review from a quite a good review as well I'll have you know (laughs) from a male reviewer and he said something along the lines of it was very strange being in a room where I made a joke about incontinence pads and there was a bunch of women were really laughing because they got the joke because they use the incontinence pads and he had no idea what they were laughing about because it's not part of his life. And I thought that's really useful because one of the problems with bodies that you're not confident are going to hold your pee and poo in is it's very isolating. People talk about feeling very alone and very upset about the whole thing because they're too embarrassed to share it with their friends. So if you're feeling like that and you can hear 20 people in a room getting a joke that the only reason they understand the punchline is because they know that incontinence pads sometimes unstick from your pants and stick onto you, <laughs> then, um, you know, you're not alone. And I thought that's quite useful. That's a that's a good sort of quite a bleak way of addressing the, the fact that you're not alone, that these problems are incredibly common. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, such a, a great way of dealing with sort of so-called taboos or sort of any issues through stand-up no topic is out of bounds if you're doing it in the right way and if you're making a joke to include the people that feel isolated and not to exclude the people who already feel isolated then that's extremely effective yeah you have to be careful with that because this population are very very um vulnerable to being mocked they're very easy to you can get it wrong and there's been a number of um campaigns and adverts actually even from big manufacturers of say pads that have got endless financial resources and i don't know where they get their information from but i've yet to see an advert from any of these big companies you know multi-billion pound companies that can't seem to be able to talk to women in a way, yeah. in a way that doesn't piss them off <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You're I advertising. You, you, I've yet to seen a, see an advert that's either effective because it makes women feel, you know, warm and fuzzy about having to buy something like an incontinence pad, which is quite a hard sell. It's not a thing that anybody really wants to be buying, but they, they actually they alienate them quite quickly. So yes. I am available for consultancy work. You know, <laughs> get her on the board. Definitely, definitely. I can fix that. So just on the subject of incontinence, what causes incontinence? So how does this start and sort of why do women, I think you said it was one in four women that never seek help, 
why why is that how and how much do you think it's kind of just expected that that's part of being a woman or childbirth or, or whatever yeah. Um, yeah what factors come into play there do you think yeah it's it's quite complex and um and it is quite well understood there's been a lot of work looking um looked at this so the figures are the stats are really depressing it's uh, about one in three women that wet themselves um the for poo it's about one in ten people that have problems controlling the poo however those numbers are grossly underestimating the size of the problem because generally if you say to somebody excuse me do you ever poo yourself they will say no it's quite unusual for a person to say yes I do and I would really love to be in your research project about that that's not a thing that happens (laughs) (laughs) so the the numbers are quite hard to discern but the best figures that we've got is one in three women wet themselves and about one in ten people of both sexes have problems with bowel control um about 50% of women over the age of 50 have got a vaginal prolapse and it can be associated with incontinence and difficulty pooing as well. About a third of women who have a vaginal birth will have some sort of a birth injury. And if you have a third or fourth degree tear that extends right up to the anal sphincter, then some of those women are left with problems that, that need to be treated. Um, the good news though is that for simple stress incontinence, so that's the one where you laugh and cough and sneeze and you wet yourself just a wee wee bit, then um, the cure rate for that is enormous. So about 75%, just under 75% of women can get better themselves just by doing their pelvic floor exercises. And of the rest, if they come to physio, then six sessions of physio has got an 86% cure rate. So there's really no need for people to be incontinent because of stress incontinence which is the most common type but it takes an average of seven years for a woman to come to clinic because women are used to dealing with pads and we're used to dealing with mess I think and also this is a it starts off as a small problem for women that have got stress incontinence it's a bit of an inconvenience and you must do something about it and you do mean to but it's not until it's actually interfering with everything that you want to do that you are motivated enough to go and get help. Um, so what tends to happen is somebody with stress and conscience is a little bit of an accident and they're embarrassed. So they never drink anything again and they go to the toilet every five minutes just in case they need a pee. And they can land up then disrupting the way, the mechanics of how their bladder actually works and getting an overactive bladder, which is when you're peeing more than is normal. Um, there's quite a lot of behavioural stuff as well because it's so embarrassing that people, are they, they will completely adjust their lifestyle in order to not be embarrassed, which is understandable but often it becomes really counterproductive. So if somebody, if we can get them early enough, then they don't have all of these secondary adaptations and behaviours and complications. So those are the two most common types, an overactive bladder and stress incontinence, um, assuming that they don't have other issues going on. So assuming that they don't also have something like multiple sclerosis or they've had a stroke or there's something actually you know, medically wrong. You can get a mixture of both and you can also get presentations where women are only incontinent, like they're fine running, they're fine laughing and sneezing, they don't have a problem with travel because they can hold their pee for long enough. Um, but it's when they orgasm that they wet themselves, that's called coital incontinence and that's the thing that nobody talks about and has a huge impact on people's 
quality of life and well-being it's massive that must be huge yeah i had no idea that that existed it tends to be related to an over tight pelvic floor so pelvic floor muscles people normally assume the problem is that they get weak but if you've got a non-relaxing pelvic floor which is quite common in um, people that do a lot of impact sports or people that have got pain and anxiety because you know if you're worried you're going to shit yourself in public it makes you a bit anxious yeah it's not it's not rocket science this stuff you know so anxious people you know how they lift their shoulders up you can tell from somebody's body language that they're feeling anxious well your pelvic floor does the same thing and um it's really really common so then you've got a muscle that's working really hard all of the time and it's just got nothing else nothing left to give and so you can land up then but it's just not got enough coordination in itself to be able to support the neck of your bladder i think it's so true what you're saying as well though is that people wait until it's a huge problem mm-hmm. like i think i think we're all guilty of of having you know pains in our lives or, or disruptions in our body in some form that are irritating um and maybe in some way causing a little bit of pain but we we don't seem to go and do anything about it until it is full-on disrupting our schedule or our habitual life in some way and mm-hmm. what what can people expect when when they do actually come and seek help? It is is it ever a point where somebody is has waited too long that it is irreversible to help their pelvic floor? Very rarely, very rarely. There's wow. there's it's one of the myths, you know. Like the, the challenges with this is because we don't have a, a decent vehicle to educate women about what they can and men what they can reasonably expect from their genitals and in schools we teach health and well-being and we do sex ed and it's all about you know healthy attitudes and relationships and all of these things are really important but we don't teach the mechanics of what a normal sexual response is we don't teach the students about what normal bladder and bowel function are so if you've always had a very unusual bladder pattern or bowel pattern or menstrual pattern how do you know because you've only got your own experience. Yes, absolutely. Unless you're given the information that it is normal to pee up to eight times a day and once at night, and normal pooing is either is somewhere between three times a day and once every three days. If you don't know that that's normal, the fact that you're going to the to the toilet to do a poo twelve times a day seems it's just how it's always been. Especially if it's something that your mother also did. So, yes. and she did it because. Our mum did. <laughs> so you get this yeah. generational thing where, uh, you know, it tends to be the women that are doing the potty training of the infants. So you're teaching them what your normal is. And mm. and it would be really, I would really like to see this stuff in sex ed and with the PE teachers because they are ideally placed to spot which girl it is that's trying to dodge play netball and why is that? Is it because she's actually pushing herself when she's landing and jumping? Um, so the the longer that somebody's had it, then yeah, it tends to be a bit more complex to unpick it. But there's some really good evidence that even frail elderly women who are in residential care, somebody did a study in Canada, and um, they were working with women who were mentally really able, but physically they were frail, that's why they were in residential care, and they got them dry and they were dry six months later. That's remarkable, even at that stage of life as well, you know, there's always... You can strengthen any muscle. You know, the basic principles of muscle strengthening have been understood for, you know, many, many years. It's just muscle strengthening. There's nothing to stop it. 
so what should what should everybody be doing do you think in order to protect their pelvic floor or make it stronger um or if you've got a problem let's say you know you've had children and you are weighing a bit when you laugh or when you um get you know whatever whatever it is jumping up and down what can we be doing do you think to help with that and I also ask this with an agenda because I don't do (laughs) any pelvic floor exercises ever so I'm sort of starting to think maybe I should (laughs) (laughs) yay (laughs) of the critted one (laughs) yay Yeah, I think as a general rule, um, pelvic floor exercises are the starting off point for most people. Um, If you've got an overactive pelvic floor that I mentioned earlier, where the muscles are too tight and the problem is that they're not relaxing, then pelvic floor exercises are not going to help that. And in fact, they might make it worse. You might start to get a bit of pelvic pain or it might make your leaking worse. But that would then nudge you into help seeking. You know, like if you're trying it and it takes seven years for somebody to come for help anyway, so you've got a bit of leeway. You know, there's not any risk to somebody for trying it on their own for three months. And if they find that their symptoms have changed and the worse, that's really good, helpful information. So they would want them to go to clinic. So, yeah, doing pelvic floor exercises and knowing what normal is, the leaking of pee or poo or pumps is never normal, no matter which sex you are, no matter. how many kids you have or haven't had no matter how old you are it's not normal to wet yourself it's not normal to poo yourself and it's not normal to not be able to hold in a fart in a lift when it's full of people that you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of that sounded more like you were you were cross about that has somebody somebody screwed you over in a lift before (laughs) yeah that is just the worst place isn't it (laughs) so the best thing that people can do is seek help try it on their own try to do pelvic floor exercises and if it doesn't work then please don't put up with it because it's miserable it's a miserable way to live it impacts everything how do you do pelvic floor exercises because i think i went through a time of i would be weeing and i'd just be like oh, i'll just see if i can hold it for a bit and my mum was like don't do that you don't do it whilst you're weeing um so then i was like well how does one do it otherwise yeah that used to be the advice that was given about try and stop the pee halfway through mm, yeah and if you've got a good strong pelvic floor you should be able to do that and if you've if you've got a bit of weakness then it's really very difficult to stop the pee um but the problem with that is it can cause a bit of backflow from the pee tube from your urethra back up into your bladder and there's a small risk that it can cause urinary tract infections if people are doing it all the time so the advice now is is you can do it once a week to see if there's any difference, but probably not any more than that because it's not really that helpful. Um, the action of the muscles is to squeeze and lift. So their job, actually I've got a wee model, look. Oh, please. lovely. See? Oh, wonderful. Model. So the the muscles all that they're doing is putting a, a floor on your pelvis if, if that wasn't there then everything that sits above it would just fall Sorry, out Elaine, i'm just going to take a photo of this oh, yeah. because look at this okay we're in yes yeah so the the muscles have got wee holes gaps in them where your holes are so there's a hole that your vagina goes into your urethra and your rectum and the weird thing about the muscles is some of them attach onto these blue things onto ligaments 
So that's unusual because normally muscles attach from bone to bone. And because some of the muscles attach onto ligaments, then as you age and you lose your estrogen levels of your female, then your ligaments are affected by that, all your soft tissue is affected by it. So you can land up with a pelvic floor that instead of being tucked up nice and high, it starts to dangle down a wee bit and becomes less efficient. So to, to make them work, if you there was a PhD done by a woman who's an actual genius um, to see what the best command was to get the best pelvic floor contraction. So she spent four years of her life, you know, shouting commands at people and ultrasound in their tummy to see what made the muscles contract the most. And um, one of the best ones was lift your testicles to your spectacles, and that works. <laughs> Even if you don't have either testicles or spectacles, it works. <laughs> well, we found the title for this episode, so that's good as well. Testicles and spectacles, I love it. Oh, genius, wow. Incredible. Um, the other one was imagine that you've got a zip fitted going from your bum hole all the way to the front and you're just going to zip it up. Um, and the one that worked the best for the, the most number of people was imagine you're holding in a fart. And the yes. advantage of that is you can really feel the action of the muscles around your bum hole. People tend to feel the, the pelvic floor contraction more strongly at their butt than they do at the front. And if you Google this stuff, quite often you'll find people that are given advice to contract your pelvic floor, like for the points of a compass or around the clock. And there's no, there's no real evidence to support that. And mm. maybe they're able to do it, but I certainly can't because the muscles all work together. They have one nerve have one action so maybe it helps from a visualization point of view but I like to keep things simple and I like yeah. bum holes so yeah if you imagine that you're in this lift and you've got this fart coming and you're not going to let it out um because you had a kebab last night and you know it's going to be nasty <laughs> then <laughs> when you think about it you squeeze your bum shut but you can also feel it lift slightly yeah so I'm doing it I, now to be honest so am I yeah. So's everybody else. Yeah. Like, do you feel it in your tummy a bit? I feel like I'm yeah. like tensing more in yeah. the bottom of my tummy than I am yeah. my bum. So that's that's a good thing because you can get okay. a full contraction of your abdominal muscles. So some of your core muscles and your pelvic floor and some of your hip muscles all can work together. So okay. you'll be feeling your transversus abdominis, it's called. It's a really deep muscle that comes across the bottom of your tummy. And um they, they can work together if you've got a good strong pelvic floor that's coordinated that's a good thing gold star for drama you. school that was yeah. drama school i remember the dance um, teacher shouting at me on the yeah. floor and we had to lie there and he would put his, he was a bit creepy to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> a bit perverted but he used to put his hand on our tummy and he used to tell us to to uh, to squeeze our pelvic floor and he yeah. said if he couldn't feel our tummies retracting we weren't doing it right but can i just say didn't do it to the boys did not do he would only come up and feel the tummies of the girls yeah <laughs> thought that was a bit weird but we'll deal with that in in court um, <laughs> i i also just have a question about my bum hole when Please. i <laughs> when i do that when i'm just doing my pelvic floor sometimes when i do it and i can feel also my bum hole sort of go higher i can hear like a little cracking like my muscles or something's popping like a back crack so i do it and like a tiny bit of my pelvis just goes oh interesting have you heard of that before um not not actually heard it but put your mic down 
<laughs> your butt. I, I just did it, so I don't think it'll do it again for 20 minutes, but I'll remind me in 20 and I'll do it again. It's maybe, I'll turn it that way around, it's maybe for your coccyxes. So yes, that's exactly got, where it feels. vertebrae coming down. And yeah. your coccyx, the very bottom bit, actually, see it better there, the very bottom yeah. bit of what would have been a tailbone, evolutionary speaking, yes. has got muscles attached onto it. And it's mobile. Um, there's a little joint in there, so it, it bends and moves with what, whatever you're doing. So if you're doing a squat or a poo, then the coccyx moves. Have you ever fallen straight on your butt? Uh, it took, I fell over on my birthday very, very drunkenly, and it took about six weeks for it to stop hurting on, yeah. on my coccyx. Yeah, I bashed my coccyx on the metal arm of a chair. I went to sit down on a chair, went smack on my and there's a whole story about that about when i went to the doctor and i said the wrong thing but anyway um, go on tell elaine quickly what you said because it is fantastic. basically i said i'd bruised my coccyx could they have a check and then they 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 said oh we'll need to do an internal examination but i was like i'm expecting that fair enough but they then went into my vagina and i was very confused as to why this was having just asked me loads of questions about whether or not i'd ever been paid for sex and was i being abused so it's all very strange but then i realized afterwards because she said Oh, well, your cervix looks absolutely fine. I realised I told them I bruised my cervix and not my coccyx. Oh, my goodness. But, so, but then I t- couldn't be like, well, while you're down there, actually, I meant my <laughs> coccyx. Would you please check inside there? I just, I was like, oh, phew, that's a relief. Fine. So I just, I just left. Um, <laughs> um, you also, actually, Claudia. <laughs> you're just going to move on. You're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. Um, Claudia, you mentioned that, that the teacher didn't do it to the boys um elaine do men have pelvic floor yes they do you should have been doing it to the boys as well um Mm. the men do have a pelvic floor it looks exactly like a female pelvic floor except it's missing the hole in the middle for the vagina because usually men don't have those um but the problem with men's pelvic floors is that they don't know that they've got one until they get a problem with the prostate usually it's usually older men that are then getting sent to physio and droves because if they have surgery for prostate cancer depending on what kind of treatment that they have um they can be left incontinent overnight so they were fine they had good bladder control until they had the surgery and then after the surgery they have no control at all and they have to learn how to use the muscles to regain that so men are great treat because somebody in that position he was fine yesterday he's horrified today because he's having to deal with pads and he doesn't want to deal with pads so he does what's told whereas the women (laughs) have been dealing with pads and mess since they were 11 and it's much harder for them to try and get into just a bit of horror is a motivating factor so that you comply and adhere to the advice that you've been given um the thing that men tend to tend to get excited about with um, pelvic floor education is that the if they've got an erection it's sitting on their pelvic floor basically so a good strong pelvic floor can enhance a man's sexual response in quite a dramatic way so there's not a man on the face of the earth who's not interested in having a penis that's stronger for longer and um, pelvic floor exercises can do that for them there's there's good evidence that shows that um, if the guy doesn't have any coronary heart disease, diabetes, side effects from medication or like a stress anxiety disorder, then um, pelvic floor exercises are more effective than Viagra. So <gasps> wow. we should really That's... be telling them. And because it, it's almost 
Sorry, Lynn, you go, you go. Just because the impact on their mental health and well-being, if their will is not working, it's not very good. It's not very good for how they feel about themselves. Men are funny creatures. Um, yeah. You know, they do seem to put most of their self-worth into into the, what the Todgers do, and it's a mystery to me. But um, it's quite important <laughs> that we that we tell them that, especially because there's there's a bit of a spike in referrals now with younger men coming to clinic with a thing called hard flaccid syndrome, which you would never really seen in the numbers that are coming through now, and pelvic pain, and it's um, because of porn use that they're they're sort of reprogramming their sexual response, and they can get an erection but they can't ejaculate, um, or they get pain when they get an erection, and it's treatable, so it responds really well to physio, um, but it's really difficult to number one how do we tell them and number two yeah. how do you get them to come into clinic um so yeah men have got pelvic floors and we need to be talking to them a lot more about it and um, and do they strengthen those muscles in the same way that women yeah. would okay so it's exactly the same type exactly of the same. Yeah. okay and for anybody that is maybe nervous about coming into a clinic what can they expect when they get there what what kind of procedure do you follow when you when you have a new new client yeah, we're dead nice. I'm sure you are. <laughs> we're dead nice. I've, I've yet to meet a physio that works in this field or a nurse or anybody that's not just lovely. Um, so usually, well, if you're coming to see physio, it will always be in a room rather than behind a curtain, first of all, because you need to have privacy for these things. And we will ask you a bunch of impertinent questions about how often you pee, how often you poo, um, and whether it's got any impact on if you're sexually active, whether it's affecting that, because a lot of the time um, women can experience pain and penetration. So if that's part of their normal sex life, then that can be a big problem for them. Um, we'll ask you as well about sleep patterns, because sometimes being up for a wee in the night is a symptom of sleep apnea. Um, because when you're properly asleep, then you produce a hormone that reduces the amount of urine production. Um, so if, you've, if you're not getting to proper deep sleep, then you're not producing that hormone. And one of the causes of that is sleep apnea, which is related to things like coronary heart disease. So it needs to be high blood pressure, needs to be checked out. And normally we would do an internal examination at some point in the assessment just to see what the muscles are actually doing in exactly the same way as if you had something wrong with your arm, they would look at your arm muscles so it's usually done with an internal um, but it's not necessary we can do quite a lot externally as well so if, if somebody doesn't want to have an internal that's absolutely fine it doesn't mean that it's a waste of time going and it's not obligatory to to have an internal examination lots of women just and men just you know it's not what they want to do we still want them to come to clinic so then we would what we're looking for for assessing is to see if there's any spasm or any weakness or any imbalance particularly in a woman that's had a vaginal delivery because you can get effectively a sports injury up your chuff you know where the muscles have been uh, the, the you can get parts of the muscles that are detached from the ligaments of the bone so you can find that out and you can fix it we would want to clear for a vaginal prolapse and we would also get you to cough or bear down and have a look and see if anybody comes out. And normally we would get you to do that in standing as well, because when you lie down, everything shoots up a bit. You know, so when you're standing and the weight of gravity is pulling down on all your, all your organs, sometimes you examine somebody lying and they're absolutely fine. But then they get up and you're like, oh, now I see the problem. Yeah. That, that's... um 
reminiscent of a clip that I saw um, from this morning. Holly Willoughby was laughing and she instantly, as soon as she started laughing, she sat straight down so she wasn't yeah. standing. And I remember watching that thinking, is, you know, is that normal? Should she be yeah. living with things like that? I'm sure people just sort of accept that all the time. But even if it's common, maybe not, yeah. maybe no. I'd love to get her in a clinic and I'd love to get that bloke she works with that Phil as well because he tortures her over that he does it deliberately to provoke her and says don't really? make her laugh don't make her laugh always because she'll wet herself yeah yeah mm, yeah because it's funny it's hilarious oh, yeah yeah exactly exactly funny, actually yeah, yeah I agree it's just so interesting though as women what we don't think of to go I just I, I'm having a bit of a revelation there's so many things that you've just said that I think yeah I put up with that like you know sometimes pain during sex or a little bit of wee coming out here and there or like I have I've had issues with my bladder since I was about 19 and I got it checked once and then just kind of never went went back and it's the same I think a lot of people have it you know with going on the pill and they say oh well you know now I've got increased anxiety because of the hormones in the pill and that's just being a woman or things with with menstruation and it it is just so strange how much we put up with. And and do you think, like you said, it's it's from knowing what our mothers have done before us. It, I, I've had so many chats with my mum and she had terrible cystitis growing up. And she said she had it throughout all of her 20s. So I, I've always just said, well, my mum had it. So I, I just have cystitis as well. Do, do you think that's a big part of it? I do. Yeah, I think the sort of social conditioning of women to just put up and shut up is a massive issue. And this this stuff, it's not going to kill you. So it's never been a public health priority and that contributes to it as well. But although it's not going to kill... So the, the GPs have got, or they did have various um, conditions that they were, um, they had, that were focused on to try and improve public health so they were actively looking for things that to do with coronary heart disease or diabetes or the big the big tickers that are, are going to cause real problems for somebody's well-being incontinence has never been on that list because you don't dive in incontinence however if you consider the numbers of women that are, are have got these problems and the impact that it's having on their life the number one thing that women do when they start to wet themselves just a wee wee bit is is stop exercising because if you wet yourself in the front row of Zumba, you're not likely to go back to Zumba. And the biggest cause of premature death in women is coronary heart disease. So it does have an impact on women's, as a group, it has an impact on women's well-being in a way that is completely unrecognised and completely unmeasured. Um, there's a really interesting study going on just now in Dundee where um, researcher is looking at incontinence as a barrier to exercise and her data I'm sure off the top of my head is it's either 70% or 80% and I want to say 80% um, 80% of active women so gym going women worry about wetting themselves so when you look at diseases of inactivity well if you think you're going to shit yourself when you go for a run you're not going to go for a run, for a run yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah and, definitely and, and the knock-on effect that that has it both mm. physically things like heart disease and mental health as well if you're not getting it's exercise and fresh air impact. yeah absolutely enormous. is there a link between the two with conditions like ibs or bowel conditions is that likely to then impact or irritate your bladder is it likely that once you have something that is is you know playing up with your gut or your bowels that that's going to have a knock-on effect yeah because the the two structures are so close together they actually mm. sit right close adjacent to each other so if you've got and um, the 
the majority of women that I see that come into clinic are constipated. The vast majority of them, certainly for women who've got prolapse, constipation is the number one cause of vaginal prolapse because the your bladder, if your bladder is full and not your body, I should know this stuff. If your bowel <laughs> is full and impacted with poo, it's not your bladder that is the poo, it's the other thing. So if your rectum is full and loaded, it's sitting right next to your bladder and it just irritates it all the time. It just nudges yeah. it like a naughty kid in the backseat of the car nudging his brother, mm. but just irritates it. And so you'll end up with a bladder that becomes quite twitchy and, and, and overactive. So then you're going to pee more and you can start to get bladder pain symptoms because the, the bladder wall is a muscle and the it's the action of the muscle that empties the bladder so as your bladder fills once it's um, kind of half full the muscles on stretch and it sends a message to your brain to say now I need to pee but you should be able to hold on about four hours between first feeling that urge to pee and really? actually being desperate mm, four hours is normal so oh we'll let goodness. it get away with two but most women can't hold on for four hours no. no way i couldn't i don't think i could but then again no. i've never really tried i suppose maybe it's only been through being you know stuck in a car jam or being on the road yeah. and actually not being able to get somewhere that's forced yeah. me but i don't think i've ever gone four hours but this is a thing that we're seeing that we'll see more of because of lockdown because people are working from home and previously they would be maybe in a busy shift say you're working in a shop and retail somewhere and you're up on your feet and you've got your tasks to do and you you can't go to the toilet easily so you you don't go to the toilet and you manage just fine so a lot of the time people are they're not thinking oh I'm not going to the toilet they're just getting on with it because the bladder's not giving them a bother they just wait till the mm. break which is going to be a couple of hours anyway so it's within your normal lifestyle changes and um, films are a good one Films are always made to be under two hours for this reason, so that people don't need to go have it, well an attention span and everything else. But but um, the big challenge to your bladder would be Titanic because it's I think it's two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's, it's long. Full of crashing waves and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So people who are constipated because their rectum's full and it's irritating their bladder, then they often present with urinary incontinence because the bladder is becoming dysfunctional but the actual issue is the bowel um, and if you have a problem having a poo so if you if you're needing to strain in the toilet to get the poo to actually come out then the constant pushing down on your pelvic floor can you can push the poo out but you can also push your fanny out that's what causes prolapse, prolapse yeah. so any straining in the toilet isn't a good thing and people should know that they should be able to just sit in the toilet and not have to hold their breath and really bear down for the poo to come out i think that's one thing i feel very grateful of for having sort of few food intolerances is you know whilst that has caused diarrhea i've never had it the other way so yeah. i'm very very pleased not to have that because it sounds very unpleasant and upsetting i think a lot of the time yeah you, yeah. Claudia, you were recently a little bit constipated, or was it when you were on antibiotics? Yeah, no, that that I mean, that was the worst I've ever been constipated. Where I had to actually go to the doctor, walking like a a pirate, um, and get that checked out. But yeah, I with my IBS, I I often get it, it's usually for me, it's more the other way around that I get diarrhea. But it does, yeah, it does, it does happen, and I I do find as well that my cystitis will often be brought on. Um, 
sometimes by by stress because I'm physically stressed out about what's happening with my bowels but also if I've had like a really bad case of diarrhea or constipation I will often find then my cystitis flares up and I'll just go sit in the bath because it all just feels horrible and it it does all feel connected yeah it's a fun time A little party in the pants. Speaking of fun times, <laughs> yes, Elaine, yes, please do tell us about your fantastic show, Gusset Grippers. And um, <laughs> what we've sort of briefly, briefly included a couple of things that you cover in there. Um, but yeah, what what does your show aim to do, and what is the future for the show given this horrific climate at the moment? And yeah. um, what would you like to do? Yeah, the the arts are in trouble aren't they it's not it's not going well so the aim of the show is that somebody leaves knowing what a pelvic floor is how to look after it where to seek help so it's what we would tell them in clinic really it's just dressed up as fart jokes and um (laughs) and is that how you do it is it lots of jokes or is it kind of told through a story it's a story but and i'm the i'm the the butt of all the jokes because Initially, when I started doing the show, I was trying to get a bit of audience participation because that works in comedy, but nobody wanted to, yeah. <laughs> nobody wanted to answer anything. They just sat <laughs> their arms crossed going, nope. So um, I say at the very beginning, I'm not going to ask you any questions. And it's funny because you can see all the shoulders go, oh, that's all right yeah. then. Um, I never get a front row. You know, people don't sit in yeah. the front row because they're worried they're going to get picked on. Um <laughs> Or get asked for a sample or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a song that they can join in at the end. I have a little song about vaginal prolapse that, that goes oh, to the tune of Did Your Ears Hang Low? So does your cervix hang low? Can you swing it to and fro? And they, they get that, they join in with that. Um <laughs> so it is it is stand up you know it's supposed to be funny it is a lot of jokes and a lot of funny stories but there's a couple of bits that I get a bit provocative about because I'm really angry about this stuff I'm really actually furious that we've allowed this situation where we've known about how to fix pelvic floor issues for 40 years there's gold standard evidence behind it so why are we allowing women to suffer and genuinely suffer for this issue that is cheap to fix really yeah. cheap it's it's really cheap to teach pelvic floor exercises they're free to do and the only side effect is probably an improved orgasm it shouldn't be a hard sell they don't want so. women to have it it's the man no they don't <laughs> oh well it sounds like an incredible show and something that i think yeah. whenever possible claudia and i would love to come and watch it yeah. well Please. i was supposed to be touring it this year but um that's not happened because i was in australia this time last year for um a wee jaunt over at the festivals and I, and it won the comedy award at, at the fringe world which i'm congratulations so well then done. if you win something like that you would expect to tour but we'll see um i'm writing a pantomime as well for because the problem with stand-up is there's not that many people go to see live comedy and there's not that many people in the population spread that go to see live theatre um, but everybody goes to a panto in the UK anyway, everybody has been to one so I thought let's put it into a panto form and then tour it 
um, around the areas where the women are missing from the data. So all the information that we've got is basically based on urban white middle class women because they're overrepresented at the clinic. So we know very little about the rest of us. So take a panto to areas of social deprivation and geographically remote and culturally diverse areas and then survey the audience. Um, but really, it's just an excuse so that I can write more fart jokes. It's called, yeah. it's called Leaking Beauty, and I'm having so much fun. So much fun. Oh I must get a bit God. more done on it. But it's a proper panto. So, um, but it's well, if you need points. any actors, Elaine, yes. you're always out of work. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you just let us know. I'm aiming for a big grant because it's, it's science, it's research. So yeah. I should be able to get some money for it. No, so, I, I love it. Fart jokes, they're science, you know? <laughs> yeah, it gets <laughs> vital work you're doing. Pushing oh, the luck sounds... a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, th- I don't think so. I think it sounds like such a worthy cause. And as Definitely. you say, if somebody just leaves knowing a little bit more about what's going on within their own bodies, then, you know, it's bad that we have got to a point where adult women have basically got no idea what's going on. So yeah. they're doing great work. And theatre stays with you more so than a science lesson, I find. Stuff stuff yeah. sticks. Yeah, when yeah. it's a story and it's fun. Yeah, it's just so much more engaging. And, you know, who doesn't want to see a five foot four vulva? <laughs> so badly. I didn't know how badly I wanted to see it until now. <laughs> <laughs> and Elaine, you're also about to launch your own podcast. I, I have been procrastinating over that for a long, long time. Um, so I know a lot of really interesting people that know a lot about either women's bodies or <laughs> some aspect of, I was going to say shite, but <laughs> some, of them, <laughs> some of them really do. Um, and podcasts is a really good medium for this stuff because it's embarrassing. So your podcast will be nudging people into help seeking and it will be helping them feel less alone there's there's some evidence for that sort of thing that we know that if there's a an article done in say women's hour there's a spike in referrals because it nudges them into into just like don't need to put up with this and because people can listen on their phone or whatever and it's completely private nobody knows what you're actually listening to then um it's i think it's a really good medium for these sort of taboo subjects um and people are desperate for the information so it's not going to be you know it's not pole-faced and it's not medical in nature i will have some medics and surgeons and things onto it but mostly it's it's a rant it's just to try and give me an opportunity to go this is ridiculous and why are we allowing it so it's called um get a grip um get a grip. because it's got a kind of yeah that's really what we want fannies and women to be doing get the politicians yes. and the budget holders to just get a grip and sort this stuff out yes. um so i've i've got some recorded and i'm coercing my 15 year old son into doing the editing and the tech bit because that's the bit that I'm, I'm not good at like it's not my skill he yeah. can do it and I'll just outsource it to a reluctant teenager who's going to learn quite a lot of stuff <laughs> I was going to say he is going to get some real <laughs> education here apparently I'm embarrassing who would have known I don't know what he's talking about <laughs> there's a woman that I'm gonna have on it that's um, called Tabitha Rain and she has invented a sit-on vibrator and it's genius because some women have pain and penetration and some people yeah. aren't interested in penetration as part of 
being sexually active it's just not what they want to do so this thing you just sit on and it's i think it's called the ruby glow and it's actually brilliant she's so clever and but then where can one find this be editing it. <laughs> Oh, I've probably got one here. I've got one to hand. Yeah. Oh, Look. I see. Clever, isn't it? Oh, yeah, so Elaine is just showing us like a little, it looks like two sort of camel humps with a sort of dip. It, it, it looks like a little shoe. It looks like a little shoe pump. Like It does, yes. We'll have to get a link to this on the show notes. For, see, for people that have got pelvic pain problems or, or you know, interstitial, can't even say it, cystitis, where yeah. penetrative sex can cause infection, it can cause urinary tract infection. So if that's just not something that you're able to do, that's yeah. the answer. It's just, it's what happens when you get a woman in charge of yeah. sorting something out for women. And that yeah. could probably be very good for some people who have a disability as well. That Absolutely, kind of vibrator yeah. could be really, really useful. So, yeah. oh, what a clever lady. Yeah. Uh, Elaine, um, you've got some fantastic information out there as well, I believe. Um, so if people wanted to find out any of this information or some of your, I think you've got a, a couple of worksheets I saw, where, where could they find those? Yeah, there's two, um, well, there's more than two. There's some really good websites. If you have a look at my website, which needs a bit of work, but the information's on there, it's gussetgrippers.co.uk. And there's also pelvic roar, as in roar, um, pelvicroar.co.uk, <laughs> which is a collaboration between me and some physio colleagues where we're trying to campaign like awareness raising really and collaboration with other healthcare professionals and other professionals that work with women like fitness professionals because they don't get an awful lot of education about pelvic floor care other than to do with postnatal women if they're working in that but actually menopausal women need to have different exercise approach because of the risk of prolapse so pelvic roar is where all of that stuff is on and there's also a very good website called pelvic floor first which is an australian funded website it's um, government funded so all the information that's on there is evidence-based um anything that is evidence-based is good anything that's written by goop probably best of it. <laughs> You've done it here first, kids. Yeah. Just <laughs> nonsense, just nonsense. And I, I would actually maybe I should just get Holly and Phil in the room with Gwyneth Paltrow and me going right to you, you lot. You three, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> oh, Elaine, thank you so much. You've been absolutely wonderful, and we've learned so much. So much. Thank you for having me on. So welcome. <laughs> I'll see you for the panto. See you yes. in the panto. Well, I will sit in the front. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. Now it's the time that you've all been waiting for. Our segment, Toilet Tales, where we regale an unfortunate situation. Perhaps you found yourself in either in or not in a toilet. Maybe in a medical office. Maybe in your bed. Um, Claudia, <laughs> what is in the bum book today? Oh, the bum book was delighted with a with a little DM on the gram. This this slipped right into DM ours. DM on the gram. We love it. I feel like I'm Maya Jammer. <laughs> I imagine she gets DMs. I'm sure she gets DMs like this <laughs> all the time. And um, our person has said, playing golf for six months after surgery with a one-piece bag and three strangers while I tried to take my shot off the tee. My half full bag fell off and out of my trousers, covering me and the tea area. 
in shit. <laughs> yep. I shit myself in front of three strangers, so not wanting to give up the game, as I had £20 riding on it, I went and got cleaned up in the stream. (laughs) So, just so resourceful. And when I came back, the following four people had caught up. So seven people were stood waiting for me. And even said, after you took your shit, what about the shit all over you, mate? I said, the rain will wash it away. Good luck. And carried on with my game. Actually, played really bad and lost the money, so I was gutted. Nothing has been worse since even my bag in an Asda freezer aisle falling off and me getting chased by security as I ran out, holding the bag in my shorts. It was nothing compared to that golf. Then there's the time a bouncer jumped over the cubicle while I'm mid-emptying in a club in Leeds, shouting, we don't allow drugs in this club, only to apologise and buy me and the wife a round of drinks (laughs) to say sorry. And as I just looked up and said, you can help me empty this bag if you want to, mate. (laughs) Many more of these stories, but 19 years on, nothing shocks me. Oh, gosh, it sounds like um, you've just sort of got the resourcefulness to sort of deal with any situation yeah. whether it's asda in a stream you're being like a scout yeah i mean also sorry that bouncer um situation that kind of reminds me a little bit of when we spoke to amber davies amber. and she was accused of dealing drugs or having drugs in the toilet because she was changing her bag you know the stuff that just the thinking outside the box when you've got um a grocery bag is is remarkable and i've got it nothing is. but respect for the lot of you so well totally done. you should not have to go through that especially not on a golf course which is also can i just say golf is the most boring game ever i just think it is so tedious like i don't know whether cricket's worse which is awful seeing as i've been going out with a cricketer for nearly 10 years but i i I don't know which one's duller. It does drag cricket, but I do feel like there are exciting moments. Yes, there have cricket. been known some. <laughs> few, but whereas with golf, I'm just like, yeah, great, it's on the fucking... Yeah, so I can imagine, actually, you cheered them all up by creating some sort of shitstorm because nothing much happens in golf, so they were probably chuffed yeah, to have exactly. some sort of drama on the tee. Loved it. Oh, please do keep your toilet tails coming in thick and fast, just like your turd. Um, and please also if you want to send us a voice note on a scandal you can dm us um with a voice note uh, and we will anonymously play your voice on the, the podcast um if you want to yes um and big thank you to our guest today elaine miller who you can find at gusset grippers she was absolutely amazing love you, elaine. More of her love you elaine she was just brilliant and i also just i it's just made me feel really passionate and i know we've spoken a lot about sex education in schools but i feel like we should have toilet education in schools Uh, like you know the amount that i learn about like the human body and biology that actually didn't really matter or like you know the way that fucking what's it photosynthesis and all this shit with plants Mm. actually if somebody had spoken to me about what i can be expecting when toileting as a 29 year old woman then that would have been really helpful but anyway, um, it also yeah. reminds me a bit of, um, you know, when they, uh, I think I saw a clip on Instagram blowing up the balloons and tying them to a chair so children learn how to wipe their bottom. We yes. should, but I was never taught anything. I need to me know things. Um, if, you, if you'd like to email us about anything at all, please do email us on thepoodcastofficial at gmail.com. And we will. Sorry. No. No, and you, you can. <laughs> you tell them. And you can find us on our socials at the underscore poodcast. Please find them. Follow us 
yeah, like us love do. us please the way that we need thank you everybody for listening you're all gems i hope you're having a good day wherever you are bye super trooper trooper why i won't have poop-a-pa. Bye. 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 Bye.